0: This is the Data Privacy Detective. And today we're going to talk about the question: how secure is our IT system, our whole infrastructure for it holds personal and company data and university data and healthcare, everything else. And you know, we put it everywhere. We, we were on social media and, 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 and we deal with our doctor and we deal with our bank and our credit company and so on and so forth. And all of a sudden, the world knows all about us, if it can access all this data. And there it is floating around in zeros and ones. And someday it's even going to be stranger with quantum computing coming to us. But it'll all be out there and it better be secure or we are all at risk. We know that. We're not going to get into the statistics today. Instead, we're going to focus on this. How do small and mid-sized businesses deal with this? We all know that the giants have huge staffs and they do their best, and even they get clobbered by the EU and so on. But how mm-hmm. do small and mid-sized businesses, uh, and, and each of us as individuals, when we, when we go on social media, how do we deal with this? And we have two great guests this morning uh, with us, uh, Patrick Hines and Dwayne Laflotte. Now, Patrick, thank you for joining us. You're the CEO and founder of Pulsar Security, and you are a recognized technology leader with expertise in the various technologies, hardware, software we deal with. And I know that you're a graduate of West Point, a decorated Gulf War veteran. And I love the fact that on your company's website, you don't say who your customers are. Thank you for that. <laughs> so, Patrick, thank you for joining us. And also with us is Dwayne Laflotte. And Dwayne is the CTO, the Chief Technology Officer at Pulsar, and he uh, works to resolve all sorts of technical complex issues for the team and its business partners. And, and Pulsar Security is really a, an elite team of securities professionals and software engineers, as they put it, working to secure the world. So I'm going to start with this question, and Dwayne, I'll turn to you first. How hard is it for a bad actor to break into a website or an
1: organization's IT system? Yeah, and that's that's an interesting question and and quite poignant because most people think all these things are secure the moment they come out of the box. Um, So one of of my jobs as CTO is I'm also what's called a red team leader. Um, So I lead our offensive attacks against organizations. We get hired to break in. So I can tell you, uh websites generally not that hard to break into. Um, and, and it and a lot of it boils down to misconfiguration issues. Um, either, you know, really not hard to guess passwords configuration issues with plugins like plugins you'd use for WordPress. Um, you know, those those types of things. So it's there's a lot of complexity in putting a website out that does something other than just display text, right? The moment you start adding functionality. That's where people like me look for the the gaps in between the technology to find ways to sneak in. So I'd say normally uh, in our red team engagements, on average, it takes us about three hours um, to breach any organization.
0: To break in. And you know, let me ask you this. HTTP. Mm. You kind of, are we on alert? Wait a minute. <laughs> there could be a problem. But then you add an S. Does that mean that you can't break in?
1: No. Uh, it's, so it makes it a lot harder. But what's interesting is, even though you have HTTPS, a lot of the content that might be delivered to the browser um, may not necessarily be actually secure content. Um, I'll give you an example. We had one customer. We were pen testing. Broke into the site, we were able to actually um, see traffic and and every one of their uh, end users was using HTTPS to Mm -hmm. browse uh, websites and whatnot on the Internet. But what we found is all the ads that are serving on the side of the browser, they're not coming from... HTTPS. No, so we were able to inject in. code yeah, right. there, and then, and then we were able to compromise the entire site. So and Some can so even you can, be
0: fake. You know, they can be oh, yeah. fake ads. And then you're, yeah, you know, absolutely. Going well, Patrick, what, what would you add to this? I mean, how, how
2: tough is it to break in? It, it, it's an excellent question, and it's a, it's a multidimensional question. But, but the simplified answer that I like to give is everyone has built these fortresses, these castles, these, these big, thick walls around their websites. But you need the defenders pouring the hot oil and, and you know, throwing the spears and shooting the arrows down and guarding the entrances in order for it to actually be secure. And so we're missing that second part. People build their initial site to be secure. They use HTTPS. They have a firewall. They limit ports. They do all these things. And then they forget about it completely. They don't patch mm-hmm. it. They don't, they don't <coughs> update configurations. They don't, they don't know the inventory very, if I went to most organizations, they would have no idea what technologies they're using. So if there's a big announcement like Log4J is compromised or this library or that library or this technology, they don't even know that it's, it's them that is being described. And so we've we gotten good at building the walls. We need to make sure we man them with patching and with upgrades and with paying attention. It's like a puppy. You don't buy a puppy and then ignore it for three years. because You won't have a puppy very long you have to take care of it and so your your all your digital assets that touch the web have to be maintained because there's bad, there's there's monsters out there
0: well and they're creative and you know, mm-hmm. it's always it's kind of an arms race isn't it really certainly is about. well let's try, that leads right to my next question and that is what are the top tips for how a mid-sized business or an organization might be a university, might be a cosmetics company, who knows what, with you know, 50 employees, 100 employees, maybe 500. Boil let's lots of in, oil. Yeah. Patrick, <laughs> let's start with you this time. Uh, what, what I mean, the the, top. What's the top, What are the top one or two tips you would give to a mid-sized business that can't afford
2: a million dollars a year to worry about? A lot of the tips are free. You have to patch. You have to know what you have. That's, that's the first one. And you have to patch because a news article will come out that there's suddenly an emergency patch for a WordPress add-on. If you don't know you have that WordPress add-on, you don't know that you have to patch outside of the cycle. So patching, 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 using current technology. The, ha- the hackers aren't fooled by the fact that you have Windows 95. That doesn't protect you in any way. That they'll just look it up in the exploit database, and, and there is literally an exploit database that we use, and find all those those uh, mechanisms in. So it's that level of vigilance, just maintaining it. It's like checking the air in your tires, making sure you're, you've got enough oil in the car. It's that basic maintenance that'll keep you uh, the most safe. And then after that, it becomes user awareness, phishing uh, training. Those kinds of things, and I'm sure Dwayne has other things in the list. But well,
0: before I add Dwayne in, the pattern, let me go back to where you've started, and it's important to know. What data, especially personal data, is flowing through your organization? I mean, I, I remember talking to one client of mine that said, oh, we don't collect personal data. I said, well, why don't you do a data map and a little data inventory? And, you know, there are companies
2: out like there that do okay. that
0: for you. And, and you know, every, they were you know employees were using it for all kinds of personal things, ordering yeah. things, and a lot of personal data. Now, a lot of people don't even know this, this
2: is yeah. going on. Am that's I right about that? That's an awesome point, and I'm going to have to start including that, because you need that data inventory as well, because then you don't know how many times have we seen an article where they're still figuring out what could have been compromised. Mm-hmm. And we've seen articles where um, the, the credit card information wasn't supposed to be maintained, but it was. And so that, that I think I have to add that as part of the inventory. So that's an excellent point, Joe.
0: Well, you've made good ones. Dwayne, what would you add? What are the um, so, most important things that a, a mid-sized business really should be doing about all
1: this? So it's it's interesting. It's interesting because you say mid to small business. But mm-hmm. so we attack the entire gambit from military to small to large organizations to Fortune 500s, you name it. Mm-hmm. And I'd say systemically, one of the things I see that's an issue in all organizations is passwords. It, it's It's crazy how we'll go and start talking to an organization who, you know, might be a super large organization. You'd know their name if I mentioned them. And I go, yeah. great. What's your password policy? And they go, oh, it's, you know, 15 characters. It has to be complex. It's blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and then when we break into the site and we download all of their users and we crack 70, 80% of their passwords, we find out most of them are, you know, summer 2023. You're like, okay, right? These are standard things you shouldn't allow users to choose. <clears throat> so <clears throat> so do that you would be number one. a password manager? Is that the 100%. Yeah, 100%. I know I know LastPass right now has really kind of tainted the password management space, but but password management done right um really is an asset. Um like I use 1Password. Um I'm I'm comfortable with their security paradigm. I'm comfortable with what they do. And it makes it easy for the rest of my family to use password management as well. But there are things like Bitwarden out there that are really good as well um, that don't cost yeah. quite as much. You know, there's
0: yep. variety. We don't endorse yep. any product. Absolutely. Any kind. Nope. We're here just nope. to talk. But uh, there are a number yeah. of choices out there. And be careful when you, when you make the choice.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So that would be my number one is, you know, absolutely better passwords, password managers, small to medium businesses should absolutely be using this.
2: But you need complex passwords for those to really have. <laughs> well, that's true. Yeah. To do their work. So there's always another layer. It's a defense
1: in depth mm-hmm. strategy. And how
0: often, uh, how often to change them? What should a business so, require its employees to do?
1: That's a good question. Um, so if your password is long enough, and let's say, like, um, let's say your password's 20 characters. Um, not really hard to get to with a password manager, because you can just say generate a 20 character password. Um, at that point, you almost never have to change that password. Um, we have a crack cluster at the office that can guess 3 billion passwords a second. So if I grab a you know hash, a representation of your password, if, if we have a, a 6 billion word list database. If if it's in that database, if it's ever been breached, that password, then we'll find it. But if it's a 20-character complex password, we're not going to brute force it in within the next decade. So really, you don't need to change it. The only time you would need to change it is A, if that password was breached, was leaked out onto the internet for some reason. The site you used it on was leaked. Not a big deal if you're using a password manager. So you should use a unique password for every site. Um, And and B, if that particular password for some reason would be in a list um, of breach passwords. A password maybe, Joe, you've used in the past. I decided to use. Um, you know, shouldn't ever happen with a password manager because they're going to be highly unique. Um, So that would be my suggestion is if it's long enough and complex enough, honestly, you don't really need to change it. But the other issue for a small business is... If you have a password manager that you're using amongst the business and keeping track of like our financial accounts and our whatever, when users leave the organization, those passwords need to change. You need to have an offboarding process of what passwords did this user get ac- have access to? How do we change all those passwords immediately? Sometimes even before the user is notified that they're going to be leaving the organization is probably well, best. Well,
0: would, wouldn't you think you'd want to do that ahead of time mm-hmm. if that's <laughs> what's going to happen? Right. Patrick, you wanted to add something
2: i mean i i I thought dwayne might go be going there another thing to do is to make it easy so so if you're not if you're an individual and you're just trying to be secure like if you want to advise my mother's ninety one years old i just i I'm trying to do things simple. The browser, if you're only on one system, does a pretty good job of maintaining passwords. It's not as good as a password manager. it doesn't have all the features it doesn't cross to the phone but the it's not a bad thing to let Chrome save the passwords rather than Using the same password everywhere. That said, it really wouldn't be bad. And I'd love to see it if every day at the end of the day, you picked one password and you changed it. And then in the password manager, you made a note of when it was changed. And you go to the, you go to your credit card bureau. Okay. I'm going to change this password today. And every year, you'd probably change every password. Do you need to do that? If you got 20 character passwords, you probably don't need to do that. If you want to get a longer password, Use a regular password like an easy one you'd remember, and then throw a phone number from your childhood or a zip code from your childhood in that nobody knows. And and, and those are ways to add entropy, and, re- and length is really your friend. The longer the password, the better it is. And two factor mm-hmm. is also, I'm sorry, I keep adding things. We could talk yeah. forever.
0: No, no, we two-factor could talk forever, but I try to keep it to 15 minutes. So <laughs> there you go. These are, I just asked you some of the top tips. That, there you go. You've given great advice. There are many others, of course, training employees. We all mm-hmm. I think, know that 80% of incidents probably are from people who make mistakes. We all make mistakes. So that's always going to go on. But it's 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 uh, uh, these these are great top tips. So let me turn to my third question. The cyber criminals, they're all over the world. And they're pretty good. They're very, Mm. very sharp. And, uh, you know, they're at this. You read in the paper and in the magazine, that we don't have enough people doing this stuff, uh, coming out of universities and community colleges and so on. I wanted to get your views on that. And and tied into that is, how do you rate the career opportunities for people? So, Patrick, let, let's start with you on, on this one. Are, are we going to be able to keep up with the cyber criminals?
2: I, I think we are because of our capitalist model. The capitalist model uh, takes a lot of heat and is not perfect, but it does a great job of of rewarding people to move towards the place where the money is. And the money is in cybersecurity right now. Now, the problem we see most of the time is a kid comes and says, yeah, I want to get into cyber. And it's like saying, I want to get into medicine. It doesn't really describe what you want to do. There's auditing, there's the phishing expertise, there's database expertise, there's there's what Dwayne does. It, it, it's a wide landscape. And a lot of it does require a far greater depth of knowledge and breadth of knowledge than other fields. You have to know a lot about databases to hack into a database, but you're not a database administrator. So I think it is a, it's a high hurdle, um, but I think we're up to the challenge and it's just going to take some time. We tend to train our own. Um, we have a huge training budget. and What do you we, we look for people. in somebody you might be training? A Inquisitiveness.
0: background, video cur- game talent. What do you, what do you look sometimes.
2: for? Sometimes. Music yeah. and video games are good indicators, but basically a tenacity, uh, a curiosity, um, a little bit of mischief, you know, making. Um, it's really about, you know. Are you the type of person that is going to take apart something to figure out how it works? Are you the type of person mm-hmm. that wants to know the answer and wants to solve the challenge? It's their dopamine hits. Hacking something is is, is uh, gets you a little bit of a of a hit of dopamine, like solving a puzzle, because that's what yeah. you're doing. You're solving a puzzle.
0: Jigsaw puzzle, maybe. What mm-hmm. would you add,
2: Dwayne? I mean, you you work with
0: uh, a lot of these people. How, how do you find the right talent? And is yeah, there enough that's, out there?
1: So, A, A, there's not enough, honestly, and and Patrick's right. We, We typically try and train up as many engineers as we can. We have a pretty active internship program. Or we'll take on high school and college students um, and try and actually bring them into the cybersecurity world, have them see what a red team does, um, give them training so that they can understand and get even certified before they graduate from college if they can to have really good job prospects. And even if they come with us, great. If they don't come with us, they're at least moving into the field, which is fantastic. It's one of our sort of missions is to get as many engineers in the field as possible. But Patrick's dead on. The people I look for are the people who are willing to. So, you know, we're, we're all older, guys. You know, back in the day, I would take, I took apart my parents' tube TV to see how it worked, right? Then that's the thing, right? I didn't understand how it worked. I wanted to see what, you know, how, what made it tick. And we're looking for that type of energy. And, and you'll find in cybersecurity, the, the problem with cybersecurity, I guess, problem is it's changing every second. The 15 minutes we're going to be on this podcast, uh, there's probably 30 or 40 new exploits that have come out. So you need to want to really dig in and understand how all these work and, and almost be rabid about like, oh, what's the next thing? Oh my gosh, did you see this really cool hack? Let me try and figure this out um, to really stay on top of it and, and be in the top part of cybersecurity.
0: It sounds like an exciting field. Well, let's round third and head to home. Uh, Patrick, any last words for our listeners on this topic?
2: Uh, I think that the, the key here is to stay informed and to keep trying a little, little increments. It's not like, it's like staying in shape. It's like eating right. It's like everything else. If you okay, work out it every, day. every day, even if it's exactly, yeah. you, exactly. If you do a little bit every day, if you read an article, if you listen to podcasts like this, if you, if you try, you're going to be better off. Um, and, and that's really the key is we need to get the, a consciousness. And I think we're starting to get there.
1: Dwayne, any last a,
2: uh, advice?
1: Yeah, for for people who are looking to get into the field. Um, you know, don't be discouraged that you may not have a computer science background or uh, you know, even a cybersecurity degree. Honestly, it it really does take a willingness to learn and want to tear things apart and understand how they work and then just make them more secure. And and there are organizations like ours all across the country that will help you get there. Um, you know, one of one of our best engineers was a mechanic before he started working here. So, Loved tearing cars apart and understood how do they work. Same thing with technology um, and became a, a really good uh, engineer for cybersecurity. So that would be my advice.
0: Thank you both very much. Uh, what a wonderful uh, exploration of this really critical thing that even small and mid-sized businesses can do things within a budget uh, mm. to uh, help the world be more secure. Not only for the business, but for all of us. And as always, I will close by reminding us all, protecting your personal data begins with you.